Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Conversations with the Voice of Reason. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's conversant is Maya Forstatter. This is her first long-form interview with a podcaster of such renown as I, or any podcaster for that matter. And so what we do actually is dive into her past year and a half or two years of speaking about sex and gender on the internet and then being uh, met with repercussions in her profession professional life. Very fascinating individual. I hope that this does give some insight into her personal views and her personality for those who are interested and curious as to what is the big deal with Maya Forstatter. Well, I'll let you guys figure that out for yourselves. So without further ado, here is Maya. You came onto my radar when uh, there's this there's this tweet, like this very funny little tweet that this author named J.K. Rowling uh, published on December nineteenth, uh, yes, ni- twenty nineteen. Yeah, J.K. Rowling Day. And the reason why I know the date of this tweet is because this tweet, for some reason, is capped, or Twitter has decided to manipulate how this tweet is uh, viewed. And so every year now, it's kind of a tradition to go around and, and blast from the mountaintop that this tweet isn't... Um, is deleting likes. There's something funny about this yeah, particular we, tweet. we don't know how many million millions of people really, really know the tweet. Yeah. But what's suspect about it is because Twitter seems to have a very specific relationship with one portion of their audience and seems to come down on the side of this one portion of their audience, which would be the trans rights uh, kind of contingent of uh, the, the Twitter discourse. And part of my investigation is watching how that, uh, that portion of Twitter interacts and has power uh, over other portions of it. But that is reflected in society at large. And your case or the the substance of J.K. Rowling's uh, tweet was about a case that you were involved in, uh, which comes down to like the way that your expression of opinion on Twitter uh, affected your daily life. Uh, Do you want to do some sketching of that and then uh, get into your core beliefs and where we're at right now in this discourse and then with your story. Yeah, sure. So um, October 2018 was sort of where I think my story starts, which was um, the UK government was consulting on the Gender Recognition Act. They had um, taken up this proposal to go for self-ID, so to move from a system where there's some medical gatekeeping um, and where they were allowing a very small number of people to change their legal sex to something which could have um, sort of opened it up to 100 times as many people with much uh, or sort of no criteria at all, really, just on the basis of, of self-declaration. And I was on Twitter. I was um, working 
uh, for a think tank, Washington DC based think tank, but I was in the London office um, working on international tax policy. So this is not my area, but I'm a feminist. Um, and you feminists, you're like in every yeah. industry. <laughs> <laughs> Funny that. <laughs> wherever particular women congregate (laughs) yeah i mean i'm a feminist but you know i'm also um my original degree was in agriculture so you know kind of underlying if you think about the hierarchy of different beliefs that you have about the world my underlying belief is about evolutionary biology and about science and then my feminism kind of sits somewhere on on top of that um you know somewhere on top of making a good society with rules that work for most people um Mm. and i think you know the how you get to that is up for debate but it needs to be up for debate and if people are forced to say things that are not true um you know it breaks it breaks all our institutions it breaks our um sense making institutions and our democratic institutions and and sort of in hierarchy of things that um are broken i think you know that sort of sits fairly um Mm -hmm. fairly near the front for me so yeah in 2018 i kind of started paying a little bit more attention to this debate mainly on twitter you know sort of seeing what was going on seeing um you know and at first thinking I support trans rights. I support everyone's human rights. I, you know, I'm not a religious conservative. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, like many people, I kind of saw this as being like gay rights. Um, and then seeing things like um, when women started meeting to talk about the Gender Recognition Act and and the issues around it, the the protests and the attacks that they got, um, and there was one there was one where um, one of the early meetings, they tried to organise so they booked it at Millwall Football Ground, which is Millwall is a football club whose um, slogan is No one likes us, we don't care, um, <laughs> you know, and they have a you know they have a conference centre and so they booked a, a room in this conference centre thinking well Millwall is used to um, dealing with dealing with crowd control they they shouldn't have problem with us and once they had advertised that this event was going on the football club started getting calls you know don't don't hire this room out to these terrible fascist horrible Nazi women um, so they lost that booking and then they went to have another meeting somewhere else so they met at speaker's corner in in centre of London to you know not give out the address and they were um there were counter protesters there and there were attacks and so I saw these videos on on YouTube you've probably seen them where an older woman is attacked by what looks like a a young man um and then we're told um that this is a woman you know that that this is not a woman being attacked by a man uh, mm-hmm. she has to see that person as a woman um and you know you look at the video and and it looks like what it is which is male violence against women mm-hmm. and if you can't use the words to talk about that then um you know if you can't use if you can't use words to describe reality then how can you have any kind of fairness or justice yeah and in discerning the, she, patterns and and uh having a very frank discussion about certain 
trends in uh, right exactly exactly so that was kind of what started to to wake me up to thinking this was not what i thought it was um and so i i followed i followed it for um probably about a year of kind of paying attention up to the point in i think september 2018 when i thought i i need to speak up about this i could see other women being brave and i thought they were you know i sort of admired them for being brave and then i thought well you know i had at the time 2000 followers on twitter mainly policy wonks you know people um concerned with international development economics tax but you know empirical not fluffy people yeah um and so i thought you know this is a government consultation we should be able to talk about it and so i tweeted about it um very carefully and nothing happened um nobody responded nobody said i was wrong nobody said i was right they just it was like you know tumbleweed um and that went on a tumble tweet yes a tumble tweet you know and and in a you know community where normally if i tweet about something people would tell me i'm wrong or tell me i'm right okay. or you know so, so you're yeah. in a community of vigorous exchange yeah. of ideas yes, yeah exactly um and you know nobody was saying anything um and so i, I tweeted a few things i tweeted about um karen white the trans woman who sexually assaulted a woman in prison a woman's prison in the uk you know there were things going on in the news and i tweeted about them and and each time there was there was nothing um and so then i decided to set a direct question to my followers and so in uh international development a lot of blokes a lot of guys in international development have um taken this pledge not to be on a manal. So that means if you're invited to speak at a conference and it's all guys on the, on the panel, you say to the conference organiser nicely, um, can you find a woman? And I will step down if you want, or you can make the panel bigger, or, but you know, surely you can find a woman who can speak on this topic. Have you, have you thought about that? Um, and so I thought, you know, these issues about prisons, about safeguarding, about, you know, the census, they're all things that people people can kind of say, well, that's not that's not my business. I don't have to think about that. But I thought if I asked them a direct question about something that they had to make a decision about where they had taken a personal policy decision to say, I'm going to do this for women, um, what do they then define women as? Um, and there was this guy, Pips Philip Bunce, who works at Credit Suisse, the finance, um, big finance company, um, who had been given this award. He was on a list for 100 women in business. And Pips, or Philip Bunce, um, goes to work sort of four days a week, dressed as a man. He's a married man with children and a wife. Um, and sort of on a Friday, he goes to work in a wig and a dress, and he takes the name Pips Bunce, and he's been sort of celebrated for this by the LGBTQI++ networks in business. Um, and he was, you know, given this FT award for women in business, and that obviously made the newspapers, and, and I thought that mm-hmm. was quite obscene. And so I, I clipped a picture of Pips Bunce and said, if, if you were on a panel with Pips mm-hmm. Bunce, would you still say... Um, this is a man or, you know, you need to, you need to have a woman on there. Um, and I was 
and it, it got discussion. So over the course of kind of a week, there were, you know, a few hundred tweets between, you know, threaded conversations between me and other people. And people who, you know, just very hard-nosed economists, empirical people saying, well, if he thinks he's a woman or she's a woman part of the time, who am I to say that she's not? And I, I was really surprised that, you know, people were saying that. Um, well, you, you said that that was obscene. Could you expand on that? Like, what's obscene about a man being a woman one day a week? It, it, what's obscene, I mean, not what he's wearing, but the fact that when you're giving an award for women in business to try and um, reflect the fact that women are underrepresented in finance and in the city. So there, in fact, on this list, there were three cross-dressing males. So they weren't even men who identified as women. They were just men who um, come to work. woman yeah, face. Or, you yeah, know, yeah. come to work some days dressed in a dress. Um, and that, you know, to... To take your um, program that was there to address an underrepresentation of women and to then um, use it to celebrate cross-dressing males just seemed to me, um, you know, it, it, all of this stuff like International Women's Day is about having, you know, having one day when you can talk about women and even on that one day, now it's all about trans women or women or, you know, any any sort of program or law or policy that's there to protect women is now being used to to say, you know, you, you can't be part of this unless you accept that trans women are women and even that Pips Bunce is a woman on a Friday and not the rest of the week. Um, so yeah that was that was kind of where that started and then okay, obviously because yeah. there were these there was this long conversation with lots of threaded tweets which obviously i didn't realize but sort of rang some bells in in washington dc in the headquarters of the organization that i worked for and i got an email that said um we ask our staff and associates to not use exclusionary exclusionary language and can you put a disclaimer on your tweets because it was my personal twitter account but obviously mm -hmm. i work in a field where you know you talk about um policy and work stuff mixed in with your with your personal account mm -hmm. um and so i did i i said yes i'll put a disclaimer on my tweets um but also definitions are exclusionary by definition you know if you're going to talk about men and women and the things that affect them you have to define that group and that means excluding some people from that group and you know in international development um you know there's you talk about maternal mortality and um early marriage you know girls leaving school um what this does to their educational and and um earning you know and their power in society it's all about sex um and so you know i i sort of at that point still thought that the organization would say 
fine. Um, and, they're, and they're also an organization that doesn't take organizational positions that allows people, you know, is happy for people to disagree within the organization as long as they do it um, with evidence and, and argument. That's what a think tank is, is there for. And in your experience, was this the one issue where no debate is this particular about this issue where where it was a sacred cow or something that you couldn't touch? Are yeah, there other issues I, like I, that? Or? Um, I think there probably are, but I tripped this particular wire. Okay. Um, and also, I was I was sitting in London, you know, mainly talking to people in London and not people in Washington. And I think I didn't realize quite how sensitive it would be in Washington, I think in London, you know, there was much more sort of openness within the office for talking about, you know, all kinds of things. Um, and I, I sort of at that point hadn't realized quite what was, you know, what the situation was like in, in US institutions. So, you know, I, re I really did think that they were going to say, um, you know, I was happy to say this is something that I'm concerned about in my personal private and political life it's not something that i'm working on um i can separate those two things out but i didn't think that they would come down on me in the way that they did i mean this is an organization the chair of the board in in the u.s is larry summers um who you know larry summers knows what a woman is and you know he's he's been cancelled for um, <laughs> <laughs> for talking about biology um you know so i and i know you know i know there are people who you know i think probably the majority of people agree with me um mm -hmm. but obviously yeah. there were young young people in the office in in washington who were offended okay so your feeling or your intuition is that there's kind of a uh, generational gender uh conformity that's occurring around this particular topic this is something new that's rising up into uh, older institutions. Yes, I, th I mean, I think older institutions know that they have a problem. You know, they have a problem of um, old white men, at the, you know, old upper class white men at the top of the organization. And they recognize that that's a problem. And then they have um, young, diverse uh, you know, women coming in at the the bottom of the organisation, and um, you know, so I think they they know they have a problem about diversity, and then they don't know how to deal with it. And then when something like this comes up, and the people who are raising the concerns are young, diverse women, you know, the old the old men at the top of the organisation don't feel like they can defend um, either the ideals and the ideas or you know the women who um disagree um and so you know i think they're very fragile you know they're very um, mm. vulnerable to those kind of attacks and then obviously you know we see the same thing happening on on race um in these institutions but you know the thing that i have focused on is sex and women um partly because i think um it's so fundamental and and I think it's something that we can win, particularly in the UK, in terms of um, pushing back against, you know, the sort of tide of irrationality. Um, so it seems like it's something that's worth doing on this issue in the UK and that that might make also make a difference internationally. You know, if people can see that 
you can bring clarity and you can bring sanity back into this area, then maybe mm. it can help us to find ways of doing it in other places, doing it in other topics where, the, you know, kind of identity politics has, has taken over from, um, from rationality. So there is a, uh, it seems like you're okay with a certain level of identity politic, uh, but there's some place where identity politic gets unstable or it gets untethered to rationality or uh, re- reality. Uh, and what you were saying is that there's a problem with old white men at the top. That, that is a problem in some respects. So you, are, you think that they're susceptible to identity politic, but they're just deferring to these diverse people on the bottom uh, in all of their demands uh, because they can't actually pinpoint what the issue is with old white men being at the top of these power structures. To what degree can we start to change the old white man trope without it completely cascading into a free-for-all of intersectional, uh, you know, oppression Olympics or identity-based uh, validity and invalidity? I think, I mean, I think that's why you've got to look at why, you know, the the problem is not old white men because, you know, young white men become old white men and it's, you know, that's, it's not their fault. Looking forward to it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, You know, it's kind of where are the women, where are the, where are the, you know, people of colour, why are the people who come through university and get hired not reflected at the top of these organizations and is that a question of just time you know of um time passing through or are there specific um barriers to uh you know to to people advancing and you know and it's really clear with women that there's a barrier and the barrier is to do with having children pregnancy childbirth rearing children and it's to do with um how organizations um you know organizations are built for dads with stay-at-home mothers or with mothers who are you know doing kind of secondary jobs so that Mm -hmm. you know to get to the top of your career you have to be like a dad you have to you know put your family um or you know you just have to have a lot of support in in um raising your family and if you don't have that then you fall off the you fall off the track um and um you know so so all of the stuff where people are talking about um gender as a you know once you start talking about gender discrimination and you don't talk about sex you're erasing that whole side of sex is about reproduction reproduction has um social consequences consequences (laughs) and if society is not built to allow women to raise a family and stay in a career then you know you will keep having old you know they may not be white they may be different you know but you will keep having men at the top of these organizations because women have stepped off and not been able to get back on because it was never built to to enable them to do that Mm -hmm. you know you see that even I was just to say, you know, it's not just about organisations, it's about, you know, how you build cities. So, you know, people, um, you have a child, you have a second child, you can't afford to live in the centre of the city, the schools are not good, you move out to the suburbs, um, 
suddenly you have a hour and a half commute back to work and it doesn't make sense for both parents to do that commute so you have women doing jobs that are you know geographically um, constrained Mm. by being able to do childcare where the dads are on airplanes and um you know and organizations separate those roles um and as you know as long as you don't talk about sex you only talk about gender you you make all of that invisible Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. So when gender comes and the erosion of female as a class, and and it starts in these awards, it starts in these conversations where what you can and cannot say and, and what, what topic you can't uh, challenge, push back on, that whole part of the conversation about sex-based rights and the design of cities and the design of businesses around, uh, or the consequence of, of reproduction, and its impact on, the, on our material world gets swept away and therefore gets swept away decades and decades of work by women for women uh, to to establish all these different rights or these accommodations. And so we're, we're beyond even the bathroom or the sports discussion. We're talking about the actual material differences in, in uh income and uh, mobility uh, for women that's also being impacted just yeah. strictly by the conversation changing and 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 the way you collect statistics in order to be under, to understand that and to look at the patterns and then the language to be able to talk about it in what way are the statistics changing well so um in the uk we just we've just had the census we've we've just had our 10-year census and there was a big um battle over the sex question so the census since 1920 before that in fact has you know has always asked about sex and the answer was male or female um so you have this long series time series data where you can understand um something about what life is like for men or women um and they added a gender identity question which is fine they they added a question about is your gender identity different from the sex that was registered at birth to try and understand how many people identify as transgender which is fine that's a separate category but then the office for national statistics also wanted to um, give guidance on the sex question to say people could answer it according to um, any any official document so you can already change the sex on your driver's license just by writing to the driving license authority. And you can change the sex on your passport by having a doctor's note. And the doctor's note is not a diagnosis. It's just you've gone to your doctor and said, can you write this note? Um, And so basically they were saying self-ID on the census. And that would mean that you don't have clear categories. You don't have... um, you know, it's not aligned with the historical record and you end up having two gender questions and no sex question. And Mm. the Office for National Statistics um, had, you know, they'd been thinking about this for a long time and they'd been consulting, but they had basically written off what the gender critical women had told them and were going with what the trans activist lobby Um, had told them which was you know it's offensive to ask people their sex Um, and and so they underestimated what women would do and when they published this guidance um, Hmm. 
we raised between us um, £100,000 in three days and took them to court and won. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah, we won. Um, well, not me, but you know, I'm sort of yeah. Part the GC lobby. I didn't know you guys yeah, were that GC, deadly. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, they, they, I hope they learn not not to mess. Um, so yeah, we we took them to court on a judicial review. It was fair play for women that did it. You know, backed by lots of women mm. putting in their their twenty pounds, um, and said, you know, it's not in the mandate of the Office for National Statistics to redefine what sex is, they have to follow the law. And the law says sex is um, mm. what it says on your birth certificate. Uh, and there's still a question of should that have been what it said on your birth certificate when you were born versus what it says now, which you can change. Um, but what they took out was you can answer the answer it with what it says on your library card or your your passport so it was a big it was a big victory and and you know the the office of national statistics had just thought all well, these these women are not gonna are not gonna do anything um and you know so they had to defend what they were doing in court um and the judge was not impressed um and i think we're going to have to do quite a lot of that to yeah. bring you know brings this stuff into the sunlight and it says you know you have to defend what you're doing it has to be in line with the law you have to um you know as a government entity you're there to serve everyone not a very small lobby group um mm-hmm. and so yeah and obviously what the category the categories that the census um uses then get picked up by other institutions they all mm-hmm. will use the same definition so it's important to yeah. you know to be able to say sex sex matters we need to collect the data on it um so so it seems like there's I, a lot of lawfare that's going on in the uk specifically i know it's happening over here uh, but I, i've run into a lot of different cases and you also have a case and it's yes, it's so in the process yeah. <laughs> should, yes so going back to my story um so i lost my job um over the course of about six months it was a job that was um i was a visiting fellow with a consultancy contract and um I was working with them to raise money to do, we, you know, we developed this big project. I'd written part of the proposal. Um, we, we put the proposal into um, a big foundation. And the idea was when we get the money, they would then hire me to do the bit of work that I designed with them. Um, and so over the course of sort of six months, that bits of that offer were taken away until at the end the whole the whole offer was taken away um Mm -hmm. and at the same time they had they investigated me so they they um i there were no there were no formal complaints against me uh there were two women in washington who sort of raised concerns um and the organization Mm -hmm. said they wanted to think about academic freedom and kind of how that you know how they manage academic freedom in this age of of offence taking and they thought I would be a good case for that so they hired a diversity and inclusion consultancy to to sort of look at my tweets and um, tell them what you know 
whether interpret them whether yes interpret them and um help them to to think about academic freedom um and i think really they 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 were just kind of deferring um judgment you know they they didn't want to look at what i'd said and say well this isn't transphobic it's not transphobic to say that a transsexual a, you know male to female transsexual is not the same as a woman is you know is somebody who has rights and we need to think about what those how those rights should be secured in society but that's a mm. different life situation to being female of being being a woman um and just saying that is not in any um you know in any rational world that's not transphobic but as we know you know we're, we're not in that world yeah. um and i think they looked at they looked at my tweets and they they didn't want to make that judgment themselves so they hired this diversity inclusion consultancy who um yes who said that my tweets were um exclusionary and hurtful and and all of that um just, and so they <laughs> it's just, it's just it's baked in that they deferred to somebody who would say it for them uh, the, the, some sort of in, inquisitor uh, class yeah. trots in and says, "Yes, I can verify that this is hateful and bigoted and, and toxic." Because, because I think that the people, you know, people within the organisation don't want to say, "Well, actually, yeah, I agree. Male and female are, are two different things," um, because then they know that you know the, the finger will be pointed at them. So. Um, you know, you you bring in an expert, like a, a witch finder, um, yeah. And so, yeah. So the um, they they did this investigation, and because I wasn't on a long term contract, they didn't go through any formal process. They just, in the end, sort of, as I say, removed each bit of this um, offer mm. until there wasn't an offer left. Um, and so then, I. Uh, you know, they turned off my emails and said, thank you very much, goodbye. Um, and that was March or just before March 6th, um, 2019, uh, International Women's Day. And I'd been writing this article for International Women's Day. So I published it on Medium and I tweeted it and I tweeted a thread about it. And in that thread, I said that I'd lost my job. Um, and I didn't... I, I I thought it was a lost cause. I didn't I I wasn't thinking at that point that there was anything that could be done about it, but I just wanted to document that that, that had happened. Um and the you know the the feminist lawyers arrived like the fairy godmothers. Oh yeah. Okay. So <laughs> they're the, already could we could we just tug something apart? Yep. It was at will employment. The the your bo- your um, the company that hired you could let you go well, for any reason so much that they were they, i was on a um fixed term basically consultancy contract yeah. um but we'd been working together on a proposal with the idea you know with the idea that when you know this proposal had my cv on it it had my work in the proposal and so the idea was when we got the money they would then hire me to do the work and so i think okay. being a u.s organization they probably thought that's I have no employment rights and I and I didn't know whether I you know I had no idea about these things but so, what I was later told was in the UK you have employment rights in the okay. same way that you know Uber 
they, you know, there's been a big, ca- or not exactly the same, but you know, there's a big been a big case about Uber drivers. Are they self-employed or do they have some rights? So th- th- it's a, yeah, it's mm. a spectrum <laughs> between yeah. being an employee and being self-employed. And I was somewhere but on that the, spectrum. The work you were doing. So on one level, you were on this contract that would be renewed or not renewed. But what yeah. the work you were actually doing under that contract was uh, was was building up to even more work that you were yeah. inter, uh, intimately involved with this longer yeah. term project. OK. Yeah. And so your your contribution to that was revoked. Uh, yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. We, okay. we got the we got the grant and they said, actually, we don't want you okay. to do the work. And, okay. and obviously that wasn't because of anything other than the fact that I had annoyed people by talking about this subject that you shouldn't talk about. Well, how, how, to what degree do you know that? It's pretty obvious from you, but is there, was, there any, was there any documentation of that? And are um, you able so to speak about that? Uh, I, I can speak about it a little bit in terms of... So when I... W- um, so the case that I've brought is a discrimination case. And it's belief discrimination. So in the UK, you shouldn't be discriminated against at work for, you know, sex, age, disability, race, um, sexual orientation. There are nine characteristics of which one is religion or belief. Um, And the idea is, uh, you know, Hmm. you shouldn't be discriminated against for being a Muslim. You shouldn't be discriminated against for being an atheist. You shouldn't be discriminated against for being an ex-Muslim. So both belief and lack of belief should not be a reason why you lose your job or are treated badly at work. Okay. Um, and so I needed to prove that gender-critical feminism, or, or even sort of, as I said, in the hierarchy, going a bit lower than that, just, just the belief that sex is real and important is a philosophical belief and we also pleaded that there is another belief the gender ideology belief that gender everyone has a gender identity and that that's more important than sex isn't is a belief like a religion and it's one that i don't share and so we have two claims that i you know both my belief should be protected and my lack of belief should be protected yeah you should be protected from somebody else's belief well, no, not so much that, that you should okay. be protected. You shouldn't lose your job for not having a belief. So if, you know, you hmm. shouldn't lose your job for not being a Christian, you shouldn't lose your job for not um, believing in gender ideology. And we should, you know, have a, a plural um, secular society where people can work together. They don't have to share fundamental beliefs. They they just have to be tolerant of each other's fundamental beliefs. Um, and so... The first part of the case, which is the bit that I lost, was a preliminary hearing on whether my belief is protected, whether whether this belief is protected. And then the second half of the case, which hasn't been heard yet, which comes to your question, is was I discriminated against at work? So in answer to your question, that bit hasn't been heard yet. Um, and I probably shouldn't try and litigate it on your on your podcast um, <laughs> fair enough but if, if, if i win about the belief being protected then the next stage will be for it to come to court to be heard you know each of the stages of how i lost my job what the investigation was um, okay has there been movement toward implementing in law that one's um 
stance towards science as a belief and one's stance towards non-science as a belief. Is that anchored into law yet? Because that seems like weird new territory that just was assumed. <laughs> yeah, so uh, um, the case law on belief, the, the set of criteria that you have to meet for your belief to be protected are, are called the Granger criteria after this case that was Granger versus Nicholson. And mm. um, Mr. Nicholson, I think it was, uh, was um, his belief was climate change. He believed strongly that climate change is, you know, anthropomorph- anthropomorphic climate change is real and important and we have to take urgent action on it. That was his belief. And that was a protected belief. And there was sort of two parts to it there was the science of it but there was also the fact that he believed it was important and therefore he wouldn't take flights there were it affected his life so it wasn't just a um belief in something that is sort of um purely theoretical it's Mm -hmm. a belief that affects your life and that can be based on science or it can be based on religion or philosophy um and so he his case set the criteria and it's like it has to be um, a coherent, uh, it has to be important, consistent and coherent. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes, and it has to affect your life. I know, so, so you know, when I was putting, when we were putting the, the bundle and the evidence together, I thought the hardest part was showing that the gender ideology was, was coherent. <laughs> but, you know, the judge I've been said, working on that for a while. I can't make <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I, I mean... And I was looking for, you know, written evidence like papers from academics to say this is coherent and, you know, um, it's not very. Um, But um, Hmm. the judge said, so the judge said he thought I was wrong that there were two sexes. He was quite convinced by, um, you know, chromosome, you know, the confusion between intersex and um transgender he he was yeah he said that he says that in the judgment but he doesn't he said although i was wrong i was coherent enough so i didn't although he thought i was wrong on that i didn't fail on that on that criteria i failed on the last criteria which is your belief has to be um worthy of respect in a democratic society and not undermine other people's human rights that was what i failed on and other beliefs that have failed on that point are Holocaust denial and okay. wanting to throw overthrow the government by um, violent revolution. Okay. You know, it's not supposed to be a high bar to reach. It's it's you know it's the the very most egregious things um, that that shouldn't be protected. Um, and but so gender that, ideology can deny women right to privacy and to women's only spaces and to uh, access to communication it it actively in in practice gender ideology discriminates openly against women there's a there, then second secondarily there's a there's a difference between what is a protected belief and what you can do with that belief so if you look at you know lots of religious beliefs are um very discriminatory um Mm -hmm. and you know don't necessarily have a lot to to recommend them but they are beliefs and then the question is how much of that belief are you allowed to bring to work so um 
so so there are two separate questions one is is your belief protected and then is if you bring if you bring that belief to work or if that belief constrains how you do your job is your employer um in their rights to to get rid of you um and so that that second part is is still to be heard but the Mm. judge in my case he he put the two together and he assumed that i would harass misgender be hostile to a transgender colleague or transgender person i met in the workplace um and he said that was intrinsic to my belief and therefore my belief is not protected. So intrinsic to the belief in the distinction between male and female is discrimination towards those who uh, change I, their I, gender. I, I'm just, I'm trying to read of, into yeah, it. Because but, of yeah. the way that I had um, stated practiced. my belief. Okay. Yeah, right. I had practiced it. You know, I said it's not just that I believe that men are male and women are female but i think it's important that we're able to talk about this um and that, although that doesn't mean you know i said mm. that i doesn't mean that i would um not respect someone's preferred pronouns at work i would be doing that as a as a courtesy to them um not as um sharing their belief and you know i think you can work with people that you don't you don't share their belief but you don't necessarily you know um attack their religion you 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 know ignore the things you disagree on to get on with the things that you need to do together um but the judge Mm. thought differently and thought that i was an absolutist and that i would create a hostile workplace Um, you do come off as pretty (laughs) absolutely i know i'm 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 nasty terribly oppressive (laughs) in your beliefs But, but, you know, if you look at the definition of transphobia that's being put out by, you know, by these organisations, you know, if you look at um, Human Rights Campaign, you know, what they've said about J.K. Rowling, who is, Mm -hmm. you know, as reasonable, if not more reasonable than I am, um, you know, she's... uh, dismissed as as a terrible transphobe who makes the world a hostile place. So, you know, the judge... um, Hmm. was not out of line in reflecting that view he i mean that was that is a view that's held um and he and he reflected it but that's not what we don't think that's what the law says in the uk that the law does not reflect the trans activists definition of transphobia um you know it respects everybody's rights to to freedom of belief and and freedom of speech and association, yeah. And association. association, yeah, yeah. I was just before we got on. I was on Twitter and uh, just randomly, not having anything to do directly with looking into, uh, like boning up on on your case. Like randomly, I, I come into this account that just hates you. It's like, look at who's <laughs> replying to Richard Dawkins, and it's just such a weird. That is on Twitter. On Twitter, there is a culture that attacks and assaults somebody who goes against a gender ideology. And they are really strongly against specifically women who question or criticize gender ideology. And, you know, so that's one thing. And I understand, you know, you can, you can say that that's a world unto itself. But for that to re- be reflected through Twitter by all these major organizations like the ACLU, the you know, UN Women, blah, 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 then it 
has an impact on law where it's yes. now shaping policy yes. in, in a variety and, and, of different ways. And the thing that the judge, um, and he, he quotes it in his judgment, um, the thing that I think influenced his judgment was this thing called the Equal Treatment Bench Book, which is a... Um, it's not law, it's written by a group of judges and it's guidance for judges on how to make your courtroom um, uh, inclusive. And, it, you know, it's a good thing. Uh, you know, we can go back to, to old white men. You know, it's sort of how do you make sure that the courtroom is inclusive to people with disabilities, to people with different races and religions? It, you know, has a chapter on each of them. Um it, it's important that they that they think about this stuff, but the chapter on uh, gender, on transgender, is obviously written and influenced by the trans activist organisations, and it mm. takes a, um, you know, it says you should respect someone's, you know, somebody someone's pronouns, um, and to to the point where so there was a case recently in the UK of a uh, a non-binary man who worked at um, Jaguar Land Rover so a big big car company um he was an engineer and he'd worked there for 20 years and after 20 years he decided he was exploring his um gender identity and he wanted to come to work some days dressed as a woman um and have two different names uh so most of the time he was Sean, that was his name. And then sometimes he was Rose. And um, the company um, sort of bent over backwards to try and accommodate him to the point of saying you can use any toilet that you want, uh, even though, you know, on, on whatever day you choose. Okay, which, yeah. Which as, as long as you're Rose... You can go into the female's no, bathroom. No, but you can't go they, in there they, as Sean. No, no. They said you could just use. They they didn't. You know, similar to to what you were saying about my employer. They they panicked, right? And they yeah yeah. Um, so they just said, um, you can use any bathroom. And then he said, well, but then there's a problem because when I do that, I will get hostile reaction from other staff. And it's like, well, yes, that's that's why it's not a good idea. Um, so. Hmm. He uh, eventually um, left, and he he took his employer to um, to tribunal. And the whole of the judgment is written as Rose. The whole of the judgment is written calling this person she, even when it's talking about the period of time when there were written reports. You know, HR was writing he, but when they repeated those that text from the reports into the judgment they changed it all to she so they were rewriting not even just being polite Documents, yeah. in the in the current day but rewriting history in a legal yeah, yeah. in a legal judgment and this is because the equal treatment bench book is telling them to do that and so then you hear of um as i said this woman who was attacked at speaker's corner she um her, her attack was prosecuted for assault but when she was a witness to that in court she had to call him she she and she was um hmm. 
although you know although she'd perceived this person to be a man she'd experienced being attacked physically by a man she had mm-hmm. to say she and the judge does that not infringe upon her people. rights of freedom of speech does that not infringe I, upon the rights of I, others? I think it does. I mean, you know, she didn't yeah. take it further, so so we don't know. Um, and, you know, there have been cases of rapists where the, the judgment is all written in terms of she, but it, it was a rapist. And even, you know, divorce cases where a woman is divorcing her estranged husband and is forced to call her husband she in court, um, you know, even where it's been a, an abusive situation um because this equal treatment bench book tells the judges that that's that that's what they should do so that i think had influenced then um you know what what the judge in my case was thinking about but that that's not law that's just guidance and and we have this problem in every public institution that you have these private institutions writing guidance telling um telling institutions what to do which is not the law and and in the UK we have um, Stonewall, so the the big LGBT uh, or originally LGB organisation in the UK, and now almost all all about trans, um, has a programme where big companies, charities, public institutions, you know, pay to be part of their champions programme and then pay to be assessed by them, and so you know they're handing accountability for making these judgments to to a lobby group mm-hmm. um and you know parliament is signed up to this uh the mm-hmm. care quality commission which is the regulator that um you know assesses um safety in healthcare and care settings is signed up to this the crown prosecution service that decides who goes to court is signed up to this um so, so although we have fairly decent law, we have all of this guidance that's that's being pushed by this outside organisation, um, yeah. and so that then, you know, affected, I think, the environment in which my judgment was made. Mm-hmm. So, through lawfare, uh, I guess, is one way to combat this, but the social impact of these lobby groups. Uh, you know, so there's the lobbying that happens, or the activism, I guess, that happens on Twitter and social media that has a pressure, very strong pressure, because they they're pretty lockstep and very thorough when they when they make an enemy, um, and and they're pretty wild out there. And then there's these lobby groups like Stonewall, etc., that are shaping like businesses and 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 codes of conduct and speech codes, and. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's this top-down pressure and this bottom-up pressure, and there's so there's these two fronts. In order to what? In order, if if it, I'm, I'm using a war metaphor, but what is ultimately the goal? What is the? Is there a middle ground here? What what is uh, the ultimate uh, pursuit that you have ideologically in in kind of the bigger picture beyond your suit and and uh, through yeah. your activism? I mean, I, th- I think. The middle ground um, has to be that everyone has human rights and we build a society that that accommodates people. You know, it sort of goes back to J.K. Rowling's tweet, sort of wear what you like, call yourself what you like, you know, have sex with whoever will have you. you these things in your private life you should be able to do and you should not be discriminated against. But... Um, redefining reality and forcing other people to pretend to to be part of that is is 
is too much and it and it breaks all of our institutions um and so i think you know the the war the the end game what you know what we want is to have institutions that work that deal with evidence that deal with rules that are fair to people um and that don't engage in these in in these witch hunts and you know and we know mm. we you know we i mean the witch salem witch trials or the you know the um cultural revolution in china the in, institutions get um caught up in these in these um, purity sp- spirals. Yeah, or... purity spirals and 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 kind of power games, and we know that most of the institutions that are pushing this stuff are not doing it for um, the benefit of of trans people, but they've you know they've become caught up in a survival game themselves, where their mm-hmm. money, their influence, their own personal status depends on surviving in that game. And then there's, you know, and then there's a whole group of people whose survival depends on keeping their head down um, and, you know, sort of hoping that it'll pass them by. And then there's a small minority of people who, who speak up. Um, and, it, you know, I think that the biggest thing that the, the biggest concern about what is breaking in the UK is safeguarding. So we have a safeguarding is sort of child protection, protection yeah. of vulnerable people, um, risk assessment in organisations, how you make sure that, um, you know, that predators don't have access to um, to vulnerable children. And that whole process of breaking an organisation, of making people scared to speak the truth, of, um, you know, having a bulk of people who keep their head down, even when they know that bad things are happening breaks breaks all of that stuff which we've you know we've had so many lessons from um you know sports scouts um you know uh, the catholic church or all of these places where institutions have protected themselves rather than protect the vulnerable um yeah. and so you know for me what i'm the reason i'm doing this is because i think those institutions matter we can't do without them we can't give in to the mob um and i think we have a opportunity to save them Hmm. you know to 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 fight for them um and so yeah that's we're doing it kind of through as you say through lawfare but also through helping people to you know um using the laws that we've got because they're most of them are not bad um giving better guidance about um what the law really says and then trying to expose where these organizations have overtaken public institutions and trying to um hold them to account for doing their job instead of you know um yeah doing the job of the lobbyists well on that front are you engaged with particular organizations or do you promote particular organizations that are doing this, networks of people? Um, is there some sort of uh, nascent institution that, that is the umbrella yes. for all these things? So, Well, I don't know about umbrella. Umbrella's a, a dangerous word anyway these oh, days. Oh, is it? Okay, I'm sorry. Well, well, what you know, what no, do you I'm guys call that in Britain? Um, a trolley? <laughs> no. A lift? I um, don't know. So, so we... We launched um, Sex Matters uh, about a month ago, so oh. uh, in beginning of March. Um, Sex Matters is a nonpartisan 
single issue campaign focused on um, bringing back clarity about sex in law, policy and culture, mainly focused in the UK, at least in the first instance, because this is where we are and because there's an opportunity here. Um, but as I said, I think that will help other places too. Um, you know, there's, there's, there is a whole um, cluster of organisations that have been that have grown up around this in the UK. So um, uh, I can't remember who who all you've you've probably spoken to most of them. Um, I'm, I'm getting around actually. There's <laughs> yeah. others that I have to re- respond to to get them back on. Yeah. But. So um, Women's Place UK, which is come from the left um fair play for women that had you know did the census um Mm. judicial review and did a lot of the campaigning around um the gender recognition act um there are groups aligned to every political party um there are groups in scotland and wales and northern ireland um and there are groups that are focused on particular issues, so schools, safeguarding, sports, um, lesbian and gay rights and so on. Um, and we want to be the sort of lowest common denominator, the foundation for that, that whatever it is that is driving people to think that this is important, um, the very basic uh, thing that that's built on is being able to say that sex is real and sex matters and mm-hmm. whether you know whether someone's someone's um uh motivation comes from their religious belief or their non-religious belief or their belief in liberalism or their feminism or their left-wing politics i don't think it matters uh, you know underlying that is the basic fabric of reality um Mm -hmm. and that so that's what we're that's what we're working on and then particularly the law and helping people to use the law so is there a website is that found uh sexmatters.co or something uk or something org okay sex um hyphen matters.org all right. Not hyphen, right. but you know, line, whatever it's called. There's this. This is a larger story, but just like in interviewing a number of uh, women in your position, it seems like this particular issue has awakened this dormant network of of womanhood on uh, on on the British Isles in some way. There's some sort of tradition uh, or, or some some sort of historical uh, significance to this in that it's reflecting back uh, pr- previously I, I just get that feeling but I don't know enough about women's history in the UK uh, to really uh, see if that intuition's correct or not but I, I there's a reason know, think... you're called turf Island that's all yes I'm trying to say. yes and, we, and I, I've kind of thought about why, why it is we're called turf Island um, and I think um, I think it's partly that we had a front row seat to what was going on in the US and Canada, you know, because of the language, we Hmm. could see it. Um, And then I think, I think it's partly because we have the National Health Service. So I think people um, don't feel quite so scared about losing their job no i mean not that people want to lose their job but you know if they'd made breaking bad in the uk it would have been a really boring boring series because 
he would have got oh. treated. Um, you <laughs> know, that no thing of like you lose, you, you lose your job and you you die. You know, yeah. so I think that I think there's that of being in a, a country with a you know still slightly functioning social safety net, um, mm. and. Um, there's just something in I the think, character. Uh, there's just something yeah. in the character that I, uh, I just oh, yeah, see. Yeah, being taking no shit. I don't, yeah, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it, it grew up a lot on mum's net. So it was, you know, older women who had, hmm. you know, I think, um, you know, you start work and you think that the battles have been won, that you live in a... a basically equal society i think a lot of you know a lot of educated women um and then you have baby and then you re you, you sort of go back to the 50s you you know you, you mm. realize that the doors that had been opened are suddenly closed and you've become an invisible person and yet you still have you know the same brain and the same ambitions mm. and same um broader concerns beyond you know nappies and and baby food but you're you're suddenly confined to this very small world that is um hard to get back out of so mum's net you know uk mum's um forum is you know as i say radicalized on mum's net you know it's this mm. sort of forum of um feminist activism and um yeah radical <laughs> radical reawakening of um yeah women who've sort of woken up in their 40s and realized that things were not as fair as they'd been sold in their in their 20s um and i don't know if in the us that yeah i don't know if that um is quite the same group but it's, yeah there's you know, that's probably there's neat. so many different overlapping cultures in the us and we're, yeah. we're much more spread out than uh you guys and i think you know we're we're much smaller we don't really have a particularly um religious you know religion is not a big political force in the way that it is in the u.s so that we don't have that kind of polarization um and uh yeah and then you know it has come from the left in the uk the the resistance mm -hmm. to this has come from <clears throat> trade union women and women on the left do you have any parting wisdom uh, that you've derived from uh, this particular chapter of your adventurous life? <laughs> um, never apologize. Huh. I mean, obviously apologize if you did something wrong, but okay. don't apologize yeah. for something. You know, don't apologize because you think it will save your skin because it won't. You're, you're better off standing up if you can. Okay. And how have you adapted to the negative um, attention uh, that your exposure has gotten you? Um, or how do you deal with that? Are there tips for yeah. that? No, well, <clears throat> you know, it's probably quite unhealthy. I mean, you know, you get called a Nazi every every day and it starts to become normal and that's that's mm. not good in itself that you know, that, it's an odd you, form of it's not Holocaust denial, it's Holocaust erasure actually, by by yeah. throwing that term around so much. Yeah. And you know, you sort of cope with it by saying these people are, are idiots, but it desensitizes you to you know, to what's happening to you and what's happening to, to other people. Um mm. 
but you know, I, I, I've met the best people. The you know, as as President Trump would say, no, you know, the, I think when when these kind of things happen, when the when these challenges face you and you see who it is that stands up for you or who it is that stands up for what they believe and for the truth and who it is that um you know keeps their head down and and keeps an eye on their pension um yeah it's it's sort of filtered out the good the good people or the the interesting people um hmm. and i've been so disappointed by you know by the institutions and by the people who should have been um, holding the space for public debate on this, um, the you know the lack of integrity in, in public institutions has been has been quite shocking. And in some ways, that you know sort of upsets me more than idiots on Twitter who are probably the age of my children um, and you know sitting in their basement and so on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really um, thank you for uh, exposing yourself to me. I, I like the, uh, I, I feel like I got a glimpse of like the core values. And, and I think that they align up with what we're calling classical liberalism, like this integrity towards reality and then an integrity towards uh navigating reality through society and through the, the substructure of clear, rigorous debate as our way toward the truth and, and toward the good um, and etc. And, uh, and that those, once those things go, all that's left is power and madness. So it's, you know, whether you come down one way or the other on the... Um, specifics of trans rights or transgenderism it's the it's the using of those or hiding behind those in in certain currents not not every single one but in certain currents being kind of uh, that under the cover of rights is coming this assault on yeah. how we actually function healthily as a society and efficiently yeah there's kind of like this side yeah. uh, thing that you have to kind of look through uh and yeah and 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 that's what's worth fighting for i mean it's not you know fighting against you know the noise on twitter is i mean it would be easier just to turn twitter off but it's what it's done to to our institutions that that is worth fighting for Mm -hmm. um well thank you for fighting that i'll keep doing it i've got so the appeal is on the 27th and 28th of april so we're appealing yes coming up um appealing against the judgment um okay so sex matters org on twitter will be live tweeting that if people want to follow it do you have like that tweet framed in your house somewhere the jk rowling tweet and do do you change the number of likes on it every day you check (laughs) no because it stresses my husband out too much but i i have had i have had it blown up and i gave copies to my lawyers (laughs) to put up in their offices You should make a T-shirt uh, to raise funds. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'd I'd, I'd like a T-shirt that says "Worthy of respect in a democratic society," but uh, yeah. got to wait for yeah. a judgment that says that. <laughs> got to wait for the ju- the magistrate to come down. <laughs> anyway, that, that, this is my T-shirt today. Oh, there we go. I've got Excellent. you know a wide range of T-shirts. <laughs> 
you, uh, you, you, uh, UKGC women do like your t-shirts and your billboards. Yeah, I, I wasn't really a t-shirt wearer before all of this. <laughs> <laughs> it, th- this stuff turns the darndest people into activists. You'd never think that you were that. And all of a sudden you're standing up on principle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, uh, Maya, for your, uh, your story and uh, letting me interview you. Uh, I asked you way back in the beginning, but you had uh, you had to work in the shadows for a while. So thank you for for remembering my offer and uh, letting us get a glimpse into the ins and outs of what you're going through. Thank you. It's been fun. I'm going to end the recording there. Okay. Congratulations for reaching the end of the discussion. If you enjoyed it, do be sure to leave a review or a comment or a thumbs up or whatever you need to do to show that glorious algorithm that this is some good stuff. And do be sure to go and check that back catalog as it is brimming full of fantastic conversations. Links to provide monetary support are down there in the description as well. Have a good night.